1: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hey guys, before we begin today, I just want to say a big thank you to my patrons. You can be a patron yourself by going to patreon.com slash new winter and check out what we've got in store for you uh so go ahead to patreon.com slash a new winter and sign up now and give your support to the show
1: i told you that i want to go to that festival in sweden oh you said it would be cool to go yeah and then i got the opportunity and i decided to do it i don't mind you going i just wish you would have told me that's all dude she needs a therapist you've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival, special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable.
0: Welcome and happy midsummer. Skål!
1: What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right, the sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. Um,
0: How long have you two been together?
1: Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. <laughs> what am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us.
0: That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know.
1: We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come.
0: So today we're going to be discussing the newly released Midsummer. Uh, that's Midsommar, I believe. Um, it was released a couple of weeks ago. So that's July 2019. It's directed and written by Ari Aster. His first feature was Hereditary. And it's a really good film. So I recommend that you check that out. It has no link whatsoever to Midsummer, But it's a good film in and by itself. So Midsummer stars Florence Pugh, Will Poulter, Jack Raynor, William Jackson Harper and Wilhelm Blomgren, um, and it was actually shot in Budapest. It's a co-production between the States and Sweden. It's currently sitting at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's made over $10 million already since it's been out, and it's a great film. Um, it's not an amazing film, but it's all right. It's about a girl called Danny, who begins the film with some uh, family issues, let's say, um, and I should mention that the first part of this episode is going to be spoiler-free. So if you haven't seen the film, don't worry. I'm not going to be spoiling it for you. I'm uh, just going to be talking about it in just a general review. But um, there will be a break, and then we'll be going into the deep dive on the actual film. So if you did watch the film and you want to know what it was about, what the ending was about, um, and kind of some of the themes and more of the details about what actually was going on, some of the symbols within the film then hang on and keep listening to the whole thing because yeah we're going to get into it at the end of the episode so danny um her boyfriend is thinking about um breaking up with her and unfortunately there's this tragedy that happens um and her boyfriend and her and his mates are planning to go to sweden with one of their friends who grew up in this commune and there's some kind of tradition Um, some kind of festival that's going on that they've all been invited to. So, a tragedy happens to Danny and during that, Christian was thinking of breaking up with her, who's her boyfriend. And he doesn't, obviously, because of what's happened. Um, And he's been thinking about going to Sweden where one of his friends uh, grew up and they grew up in this commune and there's some kind of festival that's happening and he's invited them all along. So, he wants to go and... (laughs) Um, he doesn't basically doesn't tell Danny until the last minute, and then he's like, "I'm going," and makes her feel guilty about it. And she decides that, and he, he invites her, and she decides, "Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to go." Um, so they they go, they all go. They enter this commune. It's all bright and sunny, it's loads of flowers, It's all green, rolling hills. Everyone's wearing white. It's all, um, you know, like something you'd see like people dancing around her. Um, a maypole or something like that, which is actually a tradition which they go into a bit later, almost like Morris dancing, to be honest. It's all very bright. Um, but as the festival progresses, you start to realise there's something actually a bit darker going on. Uh, so that's what I'll say about it. Um, overall, I enjoyed the film. I liked Hereditary a lot, actually, but much like that film, its impact is on its first viewing. So although you may go back and rewatch it to look out for hidden things you, you might have missed... Uh, by knowing all that, all the beats um, that happens, it actually takes away a lot of the tension, which makes that initial watching such an experience. And it doesn't actually carry through to further viewings, I would say. And I think even with hereditary, it kind of works because there's more, of, there's more of a plot there. There's a kind of strange mystery that's at the centre of it that um, Tony Collette's character was trying to uncover. But Midsummer doesn't really have that. It's more of a reflective journey of discovery. There's, it's more like a, se- a sequence. Of events, there's no overarching plot as such. Um, even though you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on with the festival and what's that, what that's about, and what might be next, but there's no kind of real mystery at the heart of it like there is in Hereditary. So, I think going back to it, it would be really tough for me to watch it again. It's also two and a half hours. Don't forget, um, and they actually cut out apparently an hour and a half. So, God knows what that fight, that um, initial cut was like, but. Yeah, it's um, it does kind of follow the same moments as Hereditary as well. and Obviously, I'm not going to spoil it, but certain things happen at certain points time-wise um, within the narrative structure of both films that are a little bit too similar uh, for me. And it's actually, a, I thought it was slightly lazy because I kind of could see where this was going, even though I shouldn't be able to, just because I was like, this feels a lot like Hereditary. Um but yeah I'll kind of come onto that a bit more later. Uh essentially the film is about family. Again, funnily enough, it's also about um female empowerment and Danny's relationship is well let's just say it's not not the most romantic. Uh, what's clever is that actually most of the guys out there you know you'd all think that Christian her boyfriend is a bit of a douche but he's completely realistic. Um he kind of makes her feel guilty all the time. He's always acting like the victim. And' in his head he feels like he's doing the right thing all the time, and that he's this loving boyfriend when the reality of it is that he's not it's one of those things where he's not actively doing something wrong it's what he's not doing that makes it bad um and that their relationship is kind of at the heart of the film, and it's the most interesting aspect of it of it all, especially when it comes towards the end and there's scenes in there um which feel like it could be out of like a a drama, like a you know, a romantic drama kind of thing, um and a real insight into what a real modern relationship looks like. And that is, is quite interesting just in it in and as of, of it itself. Um see so yeah, as the film progresses The festivities that may appear fairly innocent, they do have a much darker side to them. So the fact that everything there is bright and sunny and colourful, it really juxtaposes what's actually happening. Uh, It's beautifully shot. Although there's an element of the characters being high, drugged up at points, um, which does lead to some strange animation effects. Like, it reminded me of the video for Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. So there's um, bits of it which are more subtle than others, and by the end... Um, of the film these kind of like druggy kind of wavy sequences I was a bit like I'm a bit tired of it you know you don't have to keep doing it I understand and at first it was cool because you're like oh is there something that's a bit weird and then by the end you're just like I get it (laughs) stop please stop doing it faces and eyes stretch there's flowers that seem to actually be breathing Um, the sky looks like it's melting there are are waves Uh, yeah but it was overused and after a while it kind of dampened the effect each time they used it um there are some incredible shots here and the framing itself is is amazing if you ask me it's much like a painting at times um and one of the things that he he does that I learned from Hereditary and looked out for here is that everything in the frame matters and I'm talking about everything like it's really super detailed and I highly recommend maybe not first time around like I was doing because I actually there were some bits that I missed because I'm too busy exploring the rest of the frame um including a jump scare which I didn't see um, because I was too busy looking at something else in the corner of the screen, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, there's a shot like, uh, which is you can see is a little bit influenced by The Shining, where they're driving to the location and the, the camera kind of goes over the car in front of it and upside down. And so now like the road is at the top of the screen. And all right, it's like, I don't know if it's 100% original or anything like that, but just the way it's done is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, so they arrived to the commune And when, once you're there, he has this habit, um, the director, if he fills the frame with people and there's always something going on, there's an activity, there's people dancing, there's people in groups chatting, there's people doing this weird, like they hold each other's like necks or heads. There's a way of greeting and just look at each other. It's all, all this stuff. But constantly when they're in this area, there's people around. Um, And so it means that when a character is alone, they truly feel more isolated to you because you're expecting to see other people around and you realise just how, um, yeah, how isolated they actually are. The music and sound design is great. It has elements of of fear um, as always as violins turning into screams. Um, It will often take a joyous jubilant song and then suddenly make it sinister. It's really cool if you listen out for it. Um, It's very, I wouldn't say subtle um, at all, but the fact that I was even aware of it, but it was definitely um, a highlight of the actual film and is a really great way of how to do sound design in horror films, I feel like. So, yeah, it's beautifully... It's it's a beautiful film, to be honest. The colour's amazing. Everything's in daylight. The whole point is that it's a midsummer festival, so it never really gets dark. And I've actually been... I was in uh, Helsinki, I think, and... Yeah, we went, we did a big night out, went clubbing and all this stuff. Um, we was restaurants and it's just bright. It's like it's 3pm in the afternoon all day. <laughs> and it's really weird when you come out of a club at 3am and it's just bright sunshine and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> it completely messes you up. You get used to it after a while. But um, yeah, uh, I can understand that this adds to the kind of weirdness of the entire film because you don't know what time it is. Literally, you don't know what time of day it is at any point. So, um, yeah, there's there's an element here as well about um, the idea of humans and nature and, and finding yourself coming back to nature, and also really how scary nature can can actually be—that it's it's a threat as well. Uh, what was really strange about this film, though, is that there's a real tangible element of comedy here. I laughed out loud quite frequently about every. Five or ten minutes, which is more than I've done for about ninety percent of actual comedies I've sat through. Um, the comedy comes from the fact that this community are actually quite normal to a degree. There's an element where they understand what they're doing. They're intelligent, caring. Sometimes it looks like, even though they're lying at points, um, people they talk. They make a joke about uh, watching. Are we all watching Austin Powers? Do you want to join us? Um, it's weird. So they're not completely isolated, obviously, from the outside world. They're aware of the context of, you know, the culture itself, and yet they choose to do this stuff. Um, so it makes it more engaging because it makes it slightly different from them being the other, that kind of xenophobic, um, you know, brainwashed, cult-like aspect almost. Instead, they're recognisable, they're real, and yet these festivities are just something else. So this juxtaposition actually makes certain events quite humorous, weirdly. Um, but then, you know, something like The Wicker Man, which this is, a you know, a clear influence of, had a few funny moments as well, which can sometimes make the horror almost all that more unsettling. Um I don't really do scores or anything like that, but I would say it's worth a watch. And and just that, literally, just the one watch. You don't have to buy it or anything like that. Cinema, I think, would be good for something like this. Um Because of the sound, more than anything, but also, like, you do kind of want to feel like you're enveloped into this uh world that they've created. And just because it's so bright and, like... Colourful and the and to have that big screen, I think it would, is worth watching. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't go out and buy it or anything like that. It will it will stay with you. And even though it doesn't have like a lasting appeal, some of the shots that you see, some of the scenes, the, and the tone that it would kind of leave you with, it definitely will stay with you. So it's a decent enough film, and it's this kind of horror that I actually find more engaging than, say, your typical slash or jump scare flick. Uh, you know, I want something that has an effect on me for like days, weeks, months or even the rest of my life and even though as a film there's still a lot to be desired there it definitely stayed in my head I think that the fans of A New Winter as well would actually really enjoy it Um, and yes, okay, it's about cults uh, and stuff like that but just in terms of the story in terms of the tone and in terms of the way that it mixes normality with the surreal um is a really 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 cool thing to watch (laughs) so yeah i recommend that you go and you watch it and then maybe pause this episode and come back to it because now we're going to be talking about the film itself and we're going to be going into full-on spoilers so here we go So for those who watch the film want to know what the hell happened and a bit of an explanation about the film itself, then let's let's take a closer look. So the film begins with the woods, if you remember, I think it's snowing and there's so it's nature. And there's a lot of singing and stuff going on and it's all very pretty. And then suddenly it cuts to this harsh telephone ringing and with each ring it zooms in on a specific house. So already we feel as if nature, like the trees, have been pushed aside for ugly, annoying humanity to take over. But it's all it also works as if a certain house is being targeted, which might be worth keeping in mind actually for later. So we go into the house and we see um an old couple asleep and it's already strange seeing as the phone has made lots of noise and it's in the room with them, so you don't know why they haven't woken up. And in the background we see a picture of a child surrounded by these bold, beautiful flowers. Again, that's something that's worth keeping in mind. So Danny, the main girl in this, she's trying to figure out what her sister means by this weird cryptic message that she's been sent. And the actress here, who's actually British, Florence Pugh, or however you say it, and does an amazing job in crying while trying to look and sound like she's not crying. And it's this great scene where she calls the boyfriend. It feels very real. Um, and, yeah, it's really well acted. Uh, so, yeah, Danny... Um, basically her family uh as you might have seen they have killed themselves or well, the idea being that actually the the sister did it and what must be the like the home alone of suicide or something is that she's run a pipe from the cars all the way upstairs stuck it on her mouth and then put it under the door and taped all that up with the parents so um yeah they've died from the exhaust fumes It's quite a powerful image when you're actually following the tubes up and, you know, you see them dead. Um, So during this time as well, Christian, her boyfriend, is talking to his mates uh, about the fact that he is going to split up with her. He doesn't really want to be there with her anymore. And they're just a bit like, you know, come on, dude, you know, we're going to Sweden. It's going to be cool. There's going to be loads of chicks there. You know, we're going to get these Swedish girls pregnant, which obviously... (laughs) Is a statement that does come to fruition later on. And, yeah, he's just a bit of a dick, to be honest. So he's quite emotionally distant. He's always making her, putting her on guilt trips, just treating her generally like shit and pities her quite a lot. And she's, bless her, like, really trying her best to, like, make him happy and be part of stuff and all this. And he just doesn't give a shit basically about anyone else but him and yeah and he's studying anthropology i believe the rest of them are as well or at least um uh one of the other guys is i think jason might be his name his character name i can't remember um so yeah during this whole intro scene there's things in the background like danny has a lot of uh dead plants and you know like tree stumps essentially in a room symbolizing well it symbolizes her life really that there's no Um that you know, she's kind of dying inside that there's 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 none of that, you know, nurture and nature kind of going on. And it also symbolises yeah, that her relationship with nature, there isn't one, essentially, at this at this moment in time. So the flower inside of her is dying, let's say. She's not blooming. Um and that's not a euphemism. So Christian at his place as well has some kind of horrible artwork up, I believe it's like dinosaurs eating other creatures or something like that. So there's this kind of like weird, boyish, macho selfishness there already. And there's another picture as well that comes into play, which is a little princess and this big bear who seems to be like bowing down to her. And that's a little hint as to what's to come. Um, and yeah, picture there are lots of pictures and paintings around uh, generally um, throughout the film and especially when they go into that big house and they see basically the whole plot of the entire film is kind of on the walls essentially with all these like quite medieval looking pictures which i thought looked really cool um but yeah so there's also during this beginning bit when they're at a party and things like that also there's pictures of scarecrows in the background which is more of a thing later on obviously especially by the end and it yeah so it's worth kind of looking around the frame there's probably loads of stuff i missed um that's to do with the actual film. And it's like Hereditary as well. He he does exactly the same thing. There's things that, you know, mean stuff. And there's a lot of symbolism here. And that's what's great. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so uh, Pe- I can't remember his name um, or I spoke to. So I can't remember how to pronounce his name. i will just... Uh, Pele... It's not Pele, footballer. Um Pell or something like that. I'll just call him Pell for now. Um so he's very like mild mannered, um very nice. And yeah, he's a bit weird here, um with Danny when he finds out she's going, and he's saying how he's so excited that she's gonna come and that, you know, out of everyone she's the one that he would really want um her to go with them, or whatever. Uh, you might notice as well, he's drawing the table. That comes into play a bit later on as well. He does a lot of drawings. And, yeah, he talks about his parents died in a fire. Um, and then, you you know, you're wondering about that. So there's all these hints that there's kind of like what's to come. And at first you think, because just through the nature of the film, when he's talking like that, you think, oh, um, is he, you know, targeting her because we feel like she's in danger? Um, and then later on, when I look back on it, I wonder if it's because basically he fancied her and that was why he wanted her to come. There was no um, real element of, uh, you know, targeting her or anything like that or her being offered up to anything or sacrificed, which is kind of what I was thinking it might lead to. Instead, I look back on it and I think, well, maybe he just really liked her, actually. And that's why it was. There wasn't anything particularly sinister about that aspect to it. Um which is an interesting thought. So, yeah, you find out about this um, this celebration that happens every 90 years, apparently, in Helsingland, uh, Hals- I believe, in Sweden. And, yeah, Pell says that it's part of his... Um, he grew up in this commune and that it's all a bit silly, but it's a big deal to him and it's going to be great and all this stuff. And he shows some pictures and everyone's like you know there's like a little festival and everyone's having fun and it's, it's all really pretty so yeah at first there's this real like oh it's going to be like a cool time to chill out and have fun and party and the 90th year thing is a little bit confusing simply because and they get there and they, they talk about it during um like the opening ceremony or, or whatever it is because and they don't really explain it properly i don't think until i found out a bit more about it afterwards so they they say it's like a 90 year thing, but obviously it happens more regularly because you see photos of the other May Queens and all this stuff. And yeah, I think what it is is that this year's one is bigger than usual. And that might be why the outsiders are kind of brought in. Um, so maybe it's more like a smaller scale stuff rather than this year, which is the, you know, the, which has the big ending at the end. Um, and, you know, the ending ritual is what they do every 90 years. But also, the director said that it's actually supposed to span nine days. And we only really get about three or four days through. So there's actually more stuff happening that happens after the film, which is quite interesting um, in itself. You know, I wonder <laughs> what poor Danny... Um, is, What's going to happen to her, if, if anything? Uh, you know, I think the idea is that it's actually quite a celebratory uh, ending. So I don't think anything bad will particularly happen to her. It's just, just quite an interesting thought. Um So, yeah, Danny finds out about this trip to Sweden. Christian awkwardly invites her to join them, and there's quite a funny scene there where he tells them just before she's about to come up. So, again, it's his way. He's dropped his mates in it. He's just a really selfish dick uh, about the whole thing. He's like, oh, she won't come, you know. And he's not even really discussed it with them. He's just telling them how it is. So that's just kind of a bit more about his character. And I think the the fact that he's called Christian, for instance, is quite telling um, about the whole, like, pagan versus Christianism thing. So, yeah, the group arrives at this commune. They take this psychedelic thing together. And, um, yeah, Danny has a bit of a bad trip. And she sees the hallucination of her dead sister in the mirror. And I actually missed that, as I was saying earlier. I didn't see it because I was too busy looking at this weird photo in the corner of the frame, so I missed that completely. It's really annoying.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one
0: donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: Um and yeah, this is where the faces start to go a bit weird and it's all like getting a bit melty. And actually, funny enough, on the uh, there's a good shot as well on the trip over when they're on the plane. she's looking out and it's like all the clouds and blue skies it's all great and the camera kind of goes through the window and starts shaking it gets really loud as if it's like the turbulence and the air resistance um and again that's really cool how it's that idea that they've you know reinforced again of how like things that look beautiful and lovely um actually beneath it all aren't necessarily you know it's not completely true and Yeah, and the fact that it's like they're high up in the air. The wind doesn't want a plane going through it and it's making a lot of noise, if you know what I mean. Um, And it's quite cool, just those little, tiny little hints of, you know, of what's to come. There's a danger uh, that's around at all times. So um, they get there, uh, they meet Simon and Connie, who are an English couple, and um they've been they've come there with uh, Ingmar i think his name is and what's great about that is there's a moment when they're walking through where Ingmar says how him and Connie went out until um you know they met uh, till Simon came along and took her from him or whatever and then she's like uh, we had like one day and Simon's like uh, yeah and we are get married now or whatever like and, and Ingmar's like oh yeah of course of course yeah and that's quite funny in itself and it pays off later because you realize that he brought them on purpose because of how spite, basically. Um, it's not explicitly said so, but then by the end of it, you think, well, yeah, no bloody one day probably pissed off more than anything. So, yeah. So um, a lot of weird stuff is starting to happen. They kind of get introduced, um, into the family and they're very much the outsiders all kind of wearing dark clothing and everything else is quite bright. So they stand out immediately. Um, the tensions kind of rise after Pel Pele brings them to witness an uh, a testupa ritual. Um, and what happens basically is a very, very long wind up, but two old villagers, um, I say the villages, whatever the old people who are part of the commune, uh, jump off a cliff. And this was pretty cool because it's out and out gore. So probably the goriest bit in the whole film, maybe. And, they're very upfront about it. And that's what I'm saying about hereditary is they do the same thing in hereditary where at that kind of same point within the film, they are showing a, a huge bit of gore. And again, it's kind of head related, (laughs) face related. Um, if you remember the guy doesn't quite make it and they get a big hammer and literally smash his face in until he's dead. I mean, I was thinking there's got to be better ways to do this. Um, but yeah. And Simon and Connie start going crazy and they want to leave, which is kind of fair enough. The others um are obviously shocked, but they seem to be a bit strangely like then they're like the, one of the elders comes up and explains it to them, like, no, 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 this is like a great privilege, this is what they want. Um, and they don't want to appear like culturally um I don't know what the what the word would be, but they don't want to appear like they're not respectful of the culture or whatever, I suppose. And at the same time, they're both... One of the guys there is doing his uh, thesis or whatever on it, so that's a reason for them to stay. And Christian decides he's got to do his thesis on it as well, which, again, um, just shows that he's just an absolute douche. He's just incapable of original thought, he's lazy, and he gets called out for it as well. Um, but it's quite funny in the, in the same way. So, as well, when they jump off the cliff, and they do it as a couple, and I think that's important to register, because, again, this is all to do with, like, Danny and Christian's relationship, is that they've come to, like, a bloody end and they've done it together. But just as the, a woman, I believe, is about to jump off, Danny, like, grasps um, Christian's arm and, like, you know, gasps. And there's a whole thing with, like, breath. It's very... Um, an important kind of motif throughout this film as well. Uh, she kind of breathes the interest of the shock of this woman falling off falling off this cliff. And it was interesting how it's, like as she was jumping at the same time, she's clutching to Christian, um, this idea of togetherness or something, or, you know, I I know it looks like it's out of fear, obviously originally, but I was thinking, is there a bit more to it? Is it symbol for something else in their and their relationship or how, like, you know, they're trying to stay together or whatever, but he's just like, not even Christian's not even, doesn't even seem that body. It's just to be like, Oh no. Oh my gosh. I was thinking I'd be going mad if that was me and just saw that. Um, Yeah, like but but anyway, that's quite a disturbing part, and that's the first rule inclination you get that like this is not a good festival. Um but again, it's weirdly they've made it so it's understandable, it's a tradition, they decided to do it. Um it's supposed to be this big thing and you think about in cultures other cultures, like you know, when Samurai would kill themselves um because of their honour. that's just the top of my head example. There's stuff like that, you know, throughout history, and even though this is quite bloody and stuff to watch, they all seem really reasonable about it, and that the fact that you know they wanted to do it, but yeah, really horrible, really horrible bit to watch. Um, So yeah, Simon and Connie go to disappear. Simon goes off, and then they basically are like, Simon's gone to the train station. She's like, what without me? And he's like... And they, there's this really awkward conversation where as the audience, you're like, thinking, Simon's dead. Like, they've completely killed him. But there's this, like, pretense, and they say something about it. Um, and she's like, I would have just sat on his lap. And he's like, we don't break traffic, <laughs> like, driving violations here or whatever, um, which is so funny, just after they've just, like, killed people. And so Connie basically disappears as well. So they're the first two um, that you don't actually see until, until the end, basically, really. Um, and yeah, so they they both uh have have gone now, and the uh, the rest of the group are told that it's fine. They're just at the train station. They've gone home. Don't worry about it. And Josh is the as is the other guy. Sorry, not Jason. Um, so Josh wants to talk to the elders, and he is allowed to. And they talk about they um, go into this like temple. And they look through this book, and this book has pictures um on it, and they talk about how like uh certain people are inbred, and there's this like basically this slightly deformed looking kid there, and yeah, he's inbred, and they do that to have unclouded thinking or something like that, so the idea that they they're this oracle and they're special and unique, and they have this unique view of the world that's pure or something like that um and, yeah, he 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 can't spell whatever. He does it through pictures and they interpret it. So all that's quite interesting. And, and Josh is like, oh, can I take a picture or whatever on my phone? And they're like, no, no way. Can you, like, you know, shut up? And as they look around, there's like a bear there. There's this tapestry. And, again, this is quite a comedic bit where it's like <laughs> these certain pictures, like a comic of how um, a woman likes, uh, this girl likes a guy. And, you know, she goes back, puts flowers under his bed, his pillow, whatever. And then she cuts her pubes and puts it into his food. And then she like, basically puts period blood, I imagine, into like his drink. And then he falls in love with her and they have a baby whatever. And it's ridiculous. And what you realise is that one of the girls there is actually doing it to Christian throughout the film. And it's disgusting and, yeah, plays a bigger part later on. But it's quite funny seeing this... How again they tell this story literally visually with these medieval pictures, Um, it it looks great. So, um, during this time as well, uh, Mark, who's like the Joker guy who's um, a bit of a dick, let's be honest, he um, pisses basically up against their ancestral tree, which sends uh, this other guy, I think his name's Ulf or something like that, into this frenzy because he's just basically desecrated their ancestors. And um, he goes for him. And Mark's like, what, what, what? Just being a complete dick about it. Like, how am I supposed to know? Whatever. Um, And, yeah, they're separated. And it's like, you know, oh, God. You know, don't worry about it. At the same time, Danny's not sleeping. Um, She has this dream, actually, where she goes outside. And they all get in the car and drive off and leave her. And bear in mind, they're all blokes, obviously. And there's this black smoke and uh, yeah she starts breathing out the black smoke and again there's this thing and as well right, it's to do with her sister dying as well but also there's this thing that happens to her about breathing um about life and nature and stuff like that and it's like the flowers are breathing and at one point towards the end like Christian's nostrils as he's as they you know he's about to get sacrificed uh, Christian's nostrils are flaring like larger than normal um and this like whatever breath thing they do uh, is interesting, and it 's all to do with life and breath is an integral part of that and you know the fact that and obviously if we 're going to get deep into it um flowers and trees and all this stuff do create the oxygen that we breathe and create the atmosphere that we live in um so that 's also kind of like a running theme as well so Josh decides that he 's going to go and take pictures of the book, which it's not a good a good idea, really, is it? So he goes in, starts taking pictures with his flash on, idiot. It's like the middle of well, it's not the night, is it? It's, it's the darkest it gets, and there's a really cool shot where there's someone standing up there, and it looks like a naked man, but and and uh, they did this in hereditary as well with the grandmother, and she's just in the dark, and you can just about see something, but you kind of can't quite make it out anyway he whilst he's distracted he gets smacked around the head and is essentially killed basically and you see that it was actually Ulf or whatever his name is that was wearing Mark's um who was the you know the joker guy that pissed on the tree and he went off with the girl wearing Mark's face and yeah he's got his like dick out so I don't know if he's wearing his his whole body as a suit or something but um yeah it was interesting. And it was the one big jump scare I think of the entire film. That's a really, really big one. It made me proper jump. So the next day they wake up, josh is gone, they talk about the book's gone and it's all like and and Danny and Christian are like, We don't know, we don't know what's going on, we don't have anything to do with it, we don't know where anyone is and there's a, a Maypole dancing competition that they um that Danny gets involved with and during that it's quite a cool process. Like they all they all bend up, down at one point to praise the pole or something, and she's just kind of standing there, and she's a bit drugged up now as well. Um, so, yeah, she's kind of, like, standing out from the crowd already from that initial thing. And they dance around, and she's having fun, and she's enjoying it, and she gets crowned the May the May Queen. Now, at first, when you're watching this, I thought it was, like, this is going to end badly, like she's going to be sacrificed to the gods. Like, this this big cross that's, you know, made of... Um, that reminds you of Wicker Man or something, but actually none of that. Nothing happens with that, and yeah. So she she wins it. Um, Pell, whatever his name is, actually kisses her like properly, and you think, okay, that's weird. And um, everyone like praises her. She's the centre of attention. Everyone's being nice to her. And, you know, saying that she's family now and all this stuff whilst at the same time Christian has been drugged he's basically been groomed to participate in this ritual to impregnate this other girl who's been sticking her pubes in his (laughs) food. and this is probably one of the funniest slash most horrific scenes I've seen so during this whole thing they have this dinner and Christian's having a really bad trip to be brutally honest and Danny um, gets sent to do all these little rituals around in the fields and bless the crops whatever and all this stuff and whilst all that's happening, Christian has sex with uh, Marja, I think her name is. Um, and there's this, like, semicircle of, like, old women. There. I think they're supposed to be the old May Queens, actually. And they're all, like, singing and stuff. And there's that one bit where this woman, like, he's having sex with her. And they're all, like, making the same noises as she is, and, like this orgasmic kind of noise. And he's, like, fucking tripping balls and all this. And then the woman puts her hand out, and one of the women standing around takes it. And she comes down close and starts singing really loudly. And obviously, his face is right next. he's having sex with her. And he's like, What the fuck is going on? Um, yeah. And that scene was quite funny. And then at one point, um, this other old woman comes and starts pushing his ass um, into her further, basically telling him to finish and hurry up. And immediately, he's like, He. Yeah, you know, she's like, "Oh, I can feel the baby," and he's, and that's kind of woken him up now, and he's like, "What the fuck have I done?" He goes out, and he's like, "End of his dick's covered in blood and all this stuff," and he starts running around and he's freaking out, and then he sees, um, goes into the chicken uh, coop, and sees Simon, who's um, been splayed basically, um, and. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's called a blood eagle, I believe. It's an old Viking thing. And you can see his lungs are still breathing. So I think he's supposed to be still alive. Um, but it's difficult to tell because, obviously, they're all, like, drugged up all the time. And, yeah, apparently this was a Viking ritual. You open up their body, essentially, and hang them up like that. It's crazy. Um, so whilst all this is happening, Danny's at, Danny actually went back and actually caught Christian doing this. And she starts wailing uncontrollably because, you know, obviously he's cheated on her. Um, and they wail with her and there's this kind of cathartic primal screaming and yeah it's as if they're and it's quite important this scene because not only is it like yeah she's like this inner turmoil is like coming out um yeah in this in this scream but they're doing it with her which shows that she's actually part of something that she they're also kind of feeling her pain they're joined with her um and it's this idea again that she's like now I've got this family um this new family that's what you know what she wants now because she's lost hers and yeah it's interesting so christians now paralyzed <laughs> by from this drug and the and then the cult starts explaining that basically there's there's nine human sacrifices that must be offered um four have to be outsiders four are insiders essentially and then one is a choice between one or the other so the four outsiders have already been killed. Um, that's Josh, Mark, Connie and Simon. And the next four are cult members. There was two... Um, the two elders. Uh, the uh, uh, Ingmar has decided he, he's going to put himself up for death. And and I want to say Ulf is as well, I believe. Um, and, yeah, so they... Someone else um, puts his hand up to be like, oh, I can... I'll put myself up for being nominated and Christian is the other nomination because he's the outsider. And the May Queen, which is um, Danny, gets to choose which one. And this is a great scene because you're thinking, oh, is she actually going to kill him? Uh, she's going to choose him for the sacrifice. And that is exactly what she does. She is bitter and yet yeah, yeah, clearly had her heart broken and she's sick of all the shit that he's put her through. Um, and so he's stuffed into this bear... And he's placed in this yellow temple, which you might recognise as a triangle, which is a sign of, you know, masculinity. And all the other sacrifices are kinda of, they're dotted out in um at certain points. And they burn it down. Burn it down. And yeah, Danny kind of like starts crying and she looks around and all the other cultists are like crying as well and they're doing this weird like they're going crazy almost like an interpretive dance thing. Um and it's quite cool, that bit, because up to that point, even though all this weird stuff's happened, you're still, like, you know, they're still relatively normal in a really, really weird way. And when you start seeing them freak out like this and the thing's burning, you're mm. like, oh, my God, like, they're not normal at all. And it actually freaks you out a bit. But she smiles at the end. She's happy. She's kind of come out the other side. And that's the end. And that's the end of the film. So the director said that, you know, the burning at the end is, like... um the burning almost of an ex's stuff. And he actually went through a breakup while I was, you know, writing or making this film, I should say. And he does describe it as a breakup film. And I can kind of see that it's an element of like, you're seeing this, um, the degradation essentially of their relationship form. And as things get worse in the film, their relationship gets worse and worse leading to this, like ultimately leading to this cheating. Um, and then him getting burned alive for it almost. Um, and the idea that he's paralysed hes essentially impotent, let's say. Um, so, yeah, he it's really super interesting, I think. Um, the fact that there's an hour and a half cut does lead me to wonder, you know, what, what was actually left out. I'm actually quite interested in what that might be. So the director actually said that he was inspired by romantic films, if anything, like the 1973 film Scenes from a Marriage. And also the 1981 uh, film Modern Romance, Um Wicker Man, again, is, of course, um, and The Shining influences there, which you might have recognised. What you might not have seen is that actually each character has their own rune symbol. Um, Danny symbolises a journey, I think it's an R, as well as uh, an hourglass symbol, which means an awakening. Christian has an up sign, which is probably, again, a sign of masculinity that's being defeated here. Um, And all those symbols seem to be desecrated by the end of the film, all the kind of masculine symbols. There's links with St. John here as well, just because of how the traditions mixed with Christian culture. Um, and yeah, it to do with like St. John. Um, yeah, it's all it's all quite interesting. There's also the element of, uh, there's different theories about, you know, what, what may have happened, especially with Pell or Pell, whatever it's called. And that there's a line where they say that he's also been unclouded and he's given like a special crown or whatever. Um, and yeah, so maybe he's also an oracle and maybe he's inbred as well. Like talk about the mum of a father getting better life. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but you'll notice that he, he like the disfigured kid, has been doing pictures the whole time and he kept talking about how he was really happy about Danny coming and all this stuff. So maybe he foresaw the whole thing, um, which might be true and it's quite interesting and that, um, you know, there's even an element where people have said, did he orchestrate the death at the beginning of her family to kind of, cause he knew he could see that cause he could see into the future. He would know that Danny would therefore come. Um, and yeah, and I think there's that element of he, I think he actually fancied her basically, uh, rather than he was targeting her to be May queen or that that was on purpose. Um, it might've been on purpose. I don't, am not actually sure, but obviously for the sake of the story, it had to happen, um, made more sense. But yeah, in terms of the narrative within the film, I don't know. Um, yeah, and there's the an idea of like Christian like resents her constantly throughout the whole thing. And um yeah, she really does she really does try. She's very giving and it's almost that thing of you know, of her maybe representing nature itself. You'll see she starts merging with the grass and all this stuff. The fact that like earth, she gives and she gives and all this stuff and she's like full of love and she tries. And Christian, like you know, us humans <laughs> basically always taking and it's always like poor me poor me um and i thought is that a kind of symbol maybe i don't know uh but yeah nature plays a big part um i've said this before how it's beautiful it's also a threat they sacrifice you know for for nature essentially for their crops and things like that um and it's also interesting because um danny's actually in her own mid midsummer and you know according to their rules uh, by her being in her mid-20s um because they took they look at their lives and seasons she's actually when she arrives the day of the fucking festival is her own midsummer um you know, which obviously is quite significant to them at least um yeah, but I think the whole thing, much like hereditary, is actually about family and the fact that she's got accepted somewhere now within this new family. Um, she doesn't need her boyfriend that is the kind of breakup um, you know it's a breakup movie element of it their relationship is essentially dead and he's a dick and now she's been accepted into this into this culture Um, hence she's smiling because now she's weirdly free and she's actually being praised and people like her Um, she's covered in flowers and life and growth and all that so yeah, and with that came a few deaths along the way. So, it's a very strange film. Um, it's not quite lynching or anything like that. It's not quite surreal. There's still that element of realism to it, and it's not supernatural, which is what hereditary hereditary is. Uh, you know, there's an element with this stuff where, you know, that could actually happen. Um, I'm sure there are cults out there or traditions or whatever that were very similar. Um, and I know a lot of this is based on fact anyway from a lot of different... some basically a mix up of different um cultures around the world and how they celebrate midsummer and different things and yeah, overall it was um it's made me think and it's good to I tried to do a bit of research which I've tried to communicate to you guys as well um but I yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you should go and watch it um and see what you think, so yeah you can send comments um and we'll do with any of the comments and stuff that we get. Uh, we'll do a special episode on those and we'll read them out and we'll talk about them and all this. Um, And I did this by myself today because no one... I went with another friend to see the film. Um, And, yeah, and uh, my my partner, Tess, she didn't want to see it. So I'm doing this by myself. Um, But, yeah, I really want to hear what other people thought about it. I really want to hear theories as well. So if you've got any theories about what happened, please... Let me know because I'm really super interested in stuff like that. You can email us newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. Please guys as well sign up to our Patreon. We do have exclusive stuff on there and I really um, would like you guys to be a part of it. So patreon.com slash newwinter, Twitter at newwinter, Instagram at newwinter, uh, follow it all. Just leave a review if you can, Higher the better please um, because then yeah, more people will get to listening. So that was Midsommar, um quite a long one and i uh think the next thing we'll be doing is miami connection we actually recorded it but i've still got to do it and put it all together uh and that is one of the best 80s films of all time if you ask me so yeah watch out for that anyway thanks guys and have a good one bye